Welcome to Questonia, the podcast about Estonian news and culture. I'm Sasha Garlic, and this is Maris Hellrand. And uh, Maris, you've actually got the guest in your front room for the first time ever, so maybe you should introduce him to us. Yes, with me today is uh, Dafti, aka Artyom Dmitrov. Artyom is uh, 21. He's an urbanist. He's actually an IT guy, but his passion is... Uh, urbanism uh, and that's how uh, we met. Uh, Artyom ran for the city council at the local elections for um, the social democrats, so full disclosure here. And uh, I think Artyom has a bright political career in front of him. <laughs> well, hello Artyom. So uh, yeah, um, how, did, how did you get into politics and what made you decide that politics was uh, was the way to make changes because like most people your age are looking to become an entrepreneur by now aren't they well uh, basically I saw uh, on, on examples of other countries and other cities that if you want to change something you need to candidate because yeah it, it's important to form the uh, people's minds but uh, to, to make an actual change you need to be in the in the power uh, what and uh, I have always a fun story why exactly and at which point exactly I came to the politics. Uh, basically, we have a huge, huge problem in Tallinn with the snow cleaning, and uh, Tallinn in the winter is quite a dangerous place, you know. Uh, yeah, so not an enviable uh, thing to do. Uh, so, and I was walking from my uh, work basically, and I slipped off uh, on the ice. And at that moment, I understood that that's time to make something. And so I have uh, media skills. I understand uh, how urban planning works, how uh, politics works. I know like all that stuff. I know how to write articles. Uh, so I decided uh, that it's time for me to do something uh, and to go in. And so then I started to make videos to exactly influence on people to uh, explain them why we need some changes and uh, which changes do we need. And uh, later on, I met uh, Raymond Kalulait, who is basically the head of uh, Social Democrats in Tallinn, and he invited me to run uh, with uh, Social Democrats uh, for the uh, city government, which I later on did. Fantastic. I mean, like uh, two two years ago, I remember was the year when the snow cleaning was particularly bad, and uh, the deputy mayor at the time, uh, Kalaklandov, said uh, if people are worried, they should get a taxi. Uh, was was that the tipping point for you when you decided, uh, you know, uh, that there's the, such a big gap between governance and ordinary people, and you you need to bridge it? Well. Uh... I don't want to go at him, but exactly in that case, as I understood at the end, it was slightly out of context because he meant like social taxi. We have uh, in Thailand like social taxi for people who need it. Uh, but yeah, the, the, how it sounded, it was horrible. <laughs> but no, it wasn't the driving point. It was a pissing off point, but not the point when I was like, okay, I need to do something. Uh, exactly the, the moment when I understood that I need to do something is when I stood like it's one hour before the elections. And uh, yeah, we have plenty of problems and Tallinn isn't moving in the right way. So I chose a party I have most, uh, you know, uh, common ideas with. And uh, yeah, like at the, on, at the end, like uh, the Social Democrats are in uh, city government, which, which makes things like better. Yes, but uh, I think today we have something else um, to discuss apart from uh, Tallinn streets and um, snow, even though this will come up 
very soon, <laughs> looking at the calendar. Uh, I, in particular, asked Artyom here because he has been um, very outspoken about um, the war in Ukraine, positioned himself into a uh, um, sort of the European Western liberal side of, of this uh, conflict very, very clearly, also putting himself um, in a personal conflict with um, um, family members who don't share this view and with uh, many people in the Russian-speaking community in Estonia. And uh, it's quite rare for uh, people to speak out uh, on issues where you are knowingly in in discrepancy with uh, with your uh, immediate surrounding so that's that's a very brave thing to do i think and uh, uh, my hope and my wish is to get a better understanding and insight into this whole issue of different attitudes and aspects because all we see is uh, uh, sort of polls that say about 20% of Russian speakers in Estonia share uh, Putin's views and approach. About 30% um, are against uh, this and uh, the rest are sort of uh, uninterested or uh, undecided or whatnot. But um, it's hard to uh, pinpoint it to specific people apart from when you go to um, Narva perhaps and uh, spend time at the, at the former tank monument site and talk to people there. But uh, sort of, um, yes, the hope was to get some, some reflection into it for also from a personal experience and personal level. Um, to start off, I um, or should I say Dafti? <laughs> what you as, as you wish. Um, Estonian governments, I cannot call myself Dafti, it's not too Estonian. So. Yeah, so here, here, here we go with your grudge against the Estonian government. Right? <laughs> but um, do you, um, how do you see this, um, this polling, like 20% pro-Putin and 50% sort of uninterested is that does that sound adequate to you? Well, it sounds quite conven uh, like quite convenient because yeah, basically that's why that's what I see because among like young people, it's mostly anti-Putin. Like almost everyone in like in the middle, like people of age of thirty, they really don't care mostly, and people above uh, like forty-five, they are pro-Putin. So it's like yeah, it's quite quite near to the truth. Mm. So it, it's it might be sad, but you know the the people who really love Putin, they're like getting older, and the, there is not so many of them uh, are going to live in ten years. So um, mm. that might sound, you know, really <laughs> maybe uh, rude, but uh, the problem will solve itself uh, in in a, in a years. And what about those undecided? I mean, this this is sort of the the biggest number, and um, I mean for me, it's personally difficult to understand how can you be undecided on on uh, on a conflict like that where uh, um, people are being killed there their uh, golden fillings are being torn out of their mouths and children are being uh, 
raped and uh, whatnot. How can you be undecided about that? Or are they really undecided? Uh, I believe that they are undecided because one of the main ideas of Russian propaganda isn't like, uh, there. there's a common uh, mistake that people think that Russian propaganda is uh, making you love Putin. But actually, uh, one of the main ideas of Russian propaganda is to make you, you know, like, not caring at all and uh, like they they either say that uh, they rather say that uh, it's also you know unclear like both sides are bad then they will clearly say like yes putin is right so uh, like the idea that it's not so clear is like one of the main ideas of, of russian propaganda and people believe in that because yeah when you don't look into details it also sometimes looks from both sides like oh they're guilty but they are also not so good and like yeah people who don't want to spend a lot of time uh, getting into the details they might be in this middle position yeah and it it, it seems to me that uh, the the narva tank issue which we talked about a lot in the previous episode of the podcast it, it's kind of symbolic of what what seems to me to be to be sort of crossed crossed wires between between two different parts of society. So, um, when we spoke about it in the previous episode, um, we we kind of talked about how two things can be true at once. It it was something that needed to be done at that time, the removal, but it was also something that caused a lot of divisions that was very divisive. And I wonder. Are Estonians, particularly Estonians who are close to the national government, maybe underestimating how difficult it is for a young um, um, Russian origin person in Estonia to to swing fully behind the West? Because, you know, if you do that, then, uh, then one potentially risks, as, you know, Maris kind of alluded to, uh, alienating one's family. Uh, it's... It, it it's it seems like the only right thing to do, but then it's an incredibly difficult thing to do to say, yeah, I'm I'm going to put my priorities ahead of my family. I mean, how how do you and how do your friends feel about that? Uh, I wouldn't say that it is a problem because basically most of the families, uh, at least Russian-speaking families, do not speak politics. So like it's easy to be uh, the opposition and most of youngsters are clearly saying that okay we hate putin that's that's okay with their families the case of my family is that i'm making it too out loud and you know like yeah when uh, my friends friends start to complain to my relatives that what what your son is writing that's the problem <laughs> not not the fact that i don't like putin so in that sense it's it's not really a big deal but we could uh look at a sort of more detailed issues there was one issue that we um, kind of disagreed on uh, in the spring. That was a question of visas um, issue because um, you're working in IT and uh, being very aware uh, of uh, lack of uh, lack of people there. Um, you uh, you uh, represented the view that um, uh, we should attract. Uh, young uh, progressive IT people from Russia so that um, Estonia would benefit from that as well. And the Estonian government um, obviously has um, stopped this, stopped the uh, um, new student visas and uh, and now also tourist visas. Have, have your views on the visa issue changed over the summer? Uh, my opinion on changed uh, has changed only about tourist visas just because uh, basically 
since the mobilization started, you can see that there are like hundreds of thousands of Russians who try to leave the country. And basically, I would be okay with that uh, if they would come in Estonia. But the problem is that we don't have any more like space uh, because we have hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian refugees. And like our infrastructure is already quite overloaded, so it's physically impossible, not not morally. But from moral point of view, the biggest problem of uh, Estonian government, from my point, or even Estonian society, is that uh, we we are being really naive about the Russian regime in that sense that uh, we think that okay, we need to you know restrict Russians; they will be angry and they will go and I don't know kill Putin or something. But it doesn't work like that in uh, like. Uh, autocracies that are filled with the i don't know oil money because they will always have money to buy you know the army the omon and so on and uh, it's really really naive to think that if we will restrict the i don't know it specialist who is really like anti putin and all stuff that he will like, drop his coffee latte and go and fight against putin like it doesn't work like that and we and definitely see a lot of examples, uh, I don't know, like Belarus uh, two years ago, like there are hundreds of thousands of protesters who were beaten up, who were raped up, who were killed and all the stuff and nothing changed just because Lukashenko was filled with Putin's money. Like it doesn't work like that. And uh, instead of restricting people for their like basically citizenship, it would make way more sense to steal them because that's exactly what Russia don't want you to do. They, they would really like them to stay in Russia. And we, if we would steal them, it would profit and benefit everyone except Putin, exactly. Well, the um, argument is um, that of security, because it would be very easy to uh, smuggle in um, FSB operatives among these uh, thousands of people fleeing the mobilization now. So uh, Estonia uh, hardly has this uh, administrative capacity to do the background checks on all of those people. Well, I think it's really, really, and really also like a huge stereotype and just a fear of people that they think, okay, like the FSB or bad Guru agent will fly to Estonia. But actually, if they want to, they can to, like do this with another citizenship. They can make up any passport of any country, like including the European like passports. So if they will want to kill, I don't know, me or you or, or anyone, uh, they will try like anyway without the, the ban. Like, not, not, like we cannot be sure that they will succeed. We we saw how they did it with Navalny. They're quite incompetent and untalented in that sense. But still, if they want to get into Estonia, they will. Isn't there a wide? Isn't there a wider fear uh, as well? I mean, uh, among the Estonian government and maybe people who want to restrict the visas that. Um, what what they what they will end up doing is building well what what's always been called a fifth column build, building building a wider group of people who maybe don't don't support the uh, you know um, particular the very specific national unity and nationhood agenda which the conservative parties have in Estonia so uh, and and by conservative parties I count the reform party in that as well but like. Um, so is, isn't there a fear as well that if you invite in too many different cultures, they will end up changing the culture in Estonia beyond what people actually want it to be or beyond what the governing class want it to be? Uh, well, it, from that perspective, it makes more sense than from uh, securing ourselves from affairs bear. But uh, at the same time... Uh, I saw a lot of uh, Russian migrants, and I know many of them personally, and I see that they really adore and they really are thankful to Estonia, and they are starting to learn language, uh, start to learn culture and all the stuff. 
even way, way more active than locals, Russians. And uh, about the fifth com column, we have fifth column in our parliament. It's called Keskerakont. So, like, uh, <laughs> or we have also Ekrev who are like, yeah, we're so pro-Estonian, but like we support Putin at the same time. Like, let let us, let let Ukrainian die. So, like, yeah, don't don't play with Putin. Like, we we have a fifth column already. Yeah, and it, it's it, just to follow up on Keskerikond and Ekra, which I'm I'm very glad you mentioned actually. Um, so uh, th they they are two of the parties who have always opposed uh, party funding reform and always always opposed scrutiny into donations. Uh, uh, which uh, we, um, currently there's a there's a bill on uh, party donations being being sat on by the Samar Justice Minister um, as, as we speak, and uh, I'm I'm wondering. Um, how how much of a legitimate danger you think it is that uh, Putin's money might get into the hands of political parties and might uh, might be shifting already the political agenda? Because you know there have always been allegations around various parties, which obviously we can't prove. But uh, how much how much of a legitimate legitimate danger is it, and how much of it is scaremongering? I'm pretty sure that it is a danger, and I'm pretty sure that it happens uh, because, yeah, we have a proven cases in, uh, across the Europe. We, we can see definitely the case in Latvia, for example, and uh, in the sense of Estonia, Kapo is working quite good. So at the moment, there is no danger from my perspective because, if, uh, yeah, if there will be an evidence that they got the money from the uh, Russian government, I hope it will be prosecuted. But uh, at the same time, yeah, we still need to re rem remember this. Uh, because when Yana Tom, you know, come and says like, oh, look, they took down the, the tank. Why people do not protest and they haven't got a like second bronze night? Like, what, what, what is this? Like, what is this rhetorics? It's not well, Estonian. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jan Atom, um, just, just to explain to the international audience, is a, a European member of parliament uh, who uh, was granted citizenship on a fast-track basis in 2006 by then Prime Minister Anzip and uh, um, 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 due to the uh, exhortations of uh, the Kaskarikon party and Edgar Savisar at the time. And uh, si since then, she's presented uh, probably the, the most sort of... Um, uniformly pro-russian or sorry pro-ethnic pro russian voice within within uh, the parliaments she's represented um d does she represent uh, the voice of uh, young estonian russians to you or is she something of a relic of uh, maybe your grandmother's generation uh, it's definitely not not for youth like yeah the again like the older generation you can definitely tell that all are also like really sad of what Kiskerakond is saying and doing lately you can see that the, this by their like ratings uh but it's definitely not for youth because for youth Yana Tom is like sort of a meme like you, you cannot be more lame than Yana Tom <laughs> whereas um I must um uh, say a word in uh, in her favor I the, perhaps this was a, an accident but I I witnessed her in a town hall meeting in Narva in in March or April, and she was extremely outspoken and ex with extremely unpopular views considering the audience, because that was a time when Russia was bombing Kharkiv, which the Ukraine has <clears throat> recaptured recently. But that uh, was... A no, uh, Kharkiv wasn't ever uh, occupied. <clears throat> oh, okay, uh, but the region... 
But anyway, they were they were bombing Kharkiv, and she was um, standing in the auditorium of uh, Narva College and telling people there, you must understand that it's people like you that are being attacked right now. So Putin is not going to um, save you and care about your lives because he is killing people just like you right now in Ukraine. So this was, this was very... Uh, sort of out of character for her almost and uh, for me a jaw-dropping moment but um, it seems she has uh, come to her senses so to say uh, afterwards. Well but this is particularly interesting because of course a few weeks later when it came to the tank being removed uh, in Narva um, she, uh, she she again swung behind what seemed to be her previous values. She, she said uh, you know, everyone she speaks to is disgusted by the way this has been carried out, I think was one of her quotes. Uh, and I, I just wonder if, uh, I just wonder which of those views was closer to her true views, if maybe she was uh, sig- signalling to the gallery a bit with her views on the tank, uh, um, uh, and may- maybe her views on Kharkiv were closer to her real views. But what are your, what, what are the two of you's thoughts? I guess those are not contradictive thoughts actually because i also think that the way we turned down the tank was slightly you know uncommunicative because i think that's one of the biggest uh, estonian governments again problems that we do not know how to really communicate with people because for example with those migrants i know again a lot of them were like from russia or belarus uh who live here legally, they have like the permanent uh, resident visa and so on, but they're always afraid because uh, the communication from the government side is really horrible. Like they say one thing tomorrow, like the other thing after tomorrow, and like people are always like anxious because of that. And same goes with the, for example, the tank, because yeah, th- there is no question should it be should it have been taken down or not, because it should have been taken down 30 years ago. Uh, but, but the thing is that the way it was done, because uh, basically, the tank itself doesn't do anything. It's just like a symbol. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, treated the way that it is the source of the problems. And like, yeah, we must turn it down because like, yes, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. But no one, for example, explained to Narva Babushkas why is it bad. Because, uh, again, I have family who really like like this tank, for example. And I'm from Narva originally. And I've been like to this place like hundreds of times in my life. And uh, I understand why is it like uh, quite, you know, a bad idea to make, uh, you know, killing machine your like symbol. Like it's quite a nonsense for a European person. But I understand that they don't see it that way. They see it as like really the uh, monument of liberators, in Mm. quotes, uh, of Estonia. And instead of just turning it down, we should explain why their like opinion on liberating, again, in quotes, is wrong. That's the way we should do this. Well, and there was an opinion columnist, I forget who it was, uh, who said something uh, something very similar, which was um, that they're not being offered anything in return. So at, at the moment, the, the model of Estonian nationhood being being offered to, as, as uh, this columnist saw it, and you can argue, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but uh, it, basically the, the idea that the model of Estonian nationhood being, model, being offered right now to people of Narva and Ida Viruma is not necessarily what they would be wanting to subscribe to and also there's there's very little being offered in return basically so for example president kalilaid goes to work in narva um, uh, in 2017 for a month and then speaks very little about it uh, subsequently and you know there's been no 
efforts to send other government uh, uh, operatives to Narva to 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 work to work there um, uh, seconded, and it it almost seems like uh, she felt like she'd sorted integration in a month, and then she didn't need to do anything um, um, uh, after that, and. I wonder if maybe part of the problem is just that there's so much gesture politics and signal politics and actually very little going on to offer people things in return. What do you think? Uh, well, I think that it is also a wrong idea that government must, you know, fund the Ida Virma or something because basically no one funded Haryuma. Haryuma founded itself because of the IT capitals and, and all the stuff. And the people of Ida Virma must integrate and must work uh, like same way but in their region, the problem again is that no one is really wanting or willing to integrate them, and they they like live in this uh, bubble where, where they think that okay, Estonians live their like own life, someone in Haryuma, and we are left alone like in Idaviruma, uh, because uh, basically, sadly, sad to say, but uh, Russian people were like their will was taken out in Soviet times because basically you shouldn't think on your own, like the, the job, you're provided with a job, you're provided with a home, you're provided with everything, you're just like, you know, a small gear, just work and shut up. Uh, and at the moment they're left in the capitalism system when they like have to do this on their own. They have to build their own like society, their own life and their own like know, businesses, but they are not ready for this. and. Uh, what we should do is to exactly make some programs to explain people that when you need to develop your own region on your own, like people are fl uh, flying from Idaviruma, not because like, you know, the climate or, or is bad or something, but because it's not developing and no one is developing it. Everyone uh, is living. Uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, what was my original idea? I missed it. <laughs> Um, well, it happens sometimes, but so, it's um, um, talking about offering things in return, though. And I, but like th um, s small things happen sometimes. So I, I believe, um, I, at least I, I, I heard on the grapevine that uh, uh, teachers uh, may finally be paid more to move to Idaviruma if they are Estonian language teachers because they need more of them to uh, to transition the Russian schools from uh, to sixty percent Estonian curriculum, but. Um, could could more be done? Like uh, you know, if 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 some if someone said to me, um, you know, you're a teacher, we'll pay you twice as much to go and do what you do uh, in Ijeviruma. I might not do it, but I'd be more tempted than I am right now. Could more be done? Uh, yeah, and I believe that things are like this are done, but not like maybe enough of them. Because for example, the new police academy was exactly opened in Narva exactly to you know force uh, young policemen to go and study in Idaviruma so like uh, like more Estonian language more Estonian people and more Estonian culture is going to be in the in that region and uh, in my opinion such projects when you you know make some uh, I don't know buildings like universities or like important uh, things in Idaviruma is really important and could solve the thing yeah, it's very hard to integrate into Estonia in a city where there are no Estonians, obviously. But it's also, um, I think, uh, in a way, a question that I wanted to address uh, related to the Russian liberal opposition. Um, there's a bit of an entitlement attitude um, coming through uh, because the same problem, uh, brain drain, people leaving, applies for every other Estonian 
countryside region as well. Every other region apart from Tartu and Harjuma and Tallinn is losing people, losing brains, losing um, young uh, youngsters in particular. So it's not a unique thing in Narva and Orida Viruma. Uh, but of course, the social um, issues there are perhaps uh, more more burning because of this uh, nationality uh, or the ethnic uh, ethnic composition of the area. But um, isn't it also a, sort of a question of like the Kennedy's question, what can I do for my country instead of what can my country do to me? Does that question occur to people apart from you? Because I think you personally are a, are a shining example of uh, asking this question in the right uh, way. Well, I would say also that the, the thing that exactly with the tank that appeared, uh, one of the problems that appeared that basically no one in Estonia like sees this monument uh, except the people who actually live in Narva. And I think that uh, question must be resolved by the local government. And when, I don't know, uh, Lanemets or Kaya Kalas come and say like, okay, we know better how you should live in Idaviruma, that gives a, like, a clear message that like, your opinion is not into account and people are distracted and, uh, I don't know, getting even more sad because of that and even more dismoral because basically instead of you, you really, you know, like solving the problems on your own, in your own region and building your own region, someone from Harima comes to you and uh, say what you need to do. That's the problem also for the people. Mm. So uh, it's a question of empowerment. But of course, the local uh, council in Narva doesn't have this um, human quality, perhaps, at the moment to solve this issue. But, well, they did not manage to solve it on their own. So the, one more issue that I wanted to address just briefly is um, sort of I have anecdotal evidence uh, of people saying that once uh, after Putin announced the partial mobilization, um, people suddenly changed their minds and said, oh, um, the old man has gone crazy. People who were supporting the war as long as it didn't touch them personally, as long as it was uh, war on TV, uh, now say, oh no, I'm not going to war and the guy is crazy and I'm not behind his ideas any longer. Do you see a change like that here among the Estonian uh, Russian-speaking community? No, because it haven't touched them personally. Mm. But, but their relatives, this, relatives, perhaps. I don't have relatives in Russia, so I don't know. But I can say, uh, tell by this uh, sociology that it, it flipped the the whole diagram in Russia, and so support rating like literally switched like sides. So yeah, it, it it is that way. And again, we are hoping for the protest, but the pro problem of the protest is like it, it is already really strict, and you might get into jail for just like you know protesting. And uh, we we will see, I guess, the escalation when the first coffins will come back, not when the mobilization it on its own started. If if I if I can, I, I'd love to ask you a few questions about the kind of things that you've been making videos about on YouTube because uh, I I 
really like the style of your channel. I, I must admit, you know, I'm 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 not uh, I'm not a, I'm not a Russian speaker, so uh, I struggled to understand the videos themselves. But I liked the way you filmed them, and you've got this really engaging presentational style, which I think connects with people. Um, now you've you you're really good as well at the clickbaity titles. So uh, one one of them was um, I, I think referring to uh, the, one of the uh, Tallinn uh, city government uh, cabinet. It said uh, Novikov, uh, the stupidest politician in Estonia, and uh, it, it was a video about the uh, at the time bright red cycle paths that were being introduced. Now I. This year, I've been walking around Tallinn a lot, and I've seen small changes, like, for example, you know, in, in, increased uh, size of cycle lanes, etc. You know, the the odd bits of greenery. But frankly, the city government's been so awful for so long that the bar is the, the, the bar is subterranean in terms of what they need to do to to improve things. Um, do, do you see things going vaguely in the right direction, or do you still see a city government that is way out of touch with ordinary people and that is working in the wrong direction? Well, basically, at the moment, the main, for me, vice mayor of infrastructure is Madeleine Lipus, who is like social democrat and absolutely the people of my mind, and I completely agree with her. And uh, yeah, I guess it is still hard to do things because the, most of the city uh, cabins, uh, cabinets or uh, most like of the really like you know seats are still under the center party uh, so the, the things are changing slowly but now uh, you see the perspective you see where it goes because uh, previously it was like made just you know to make a check like oh yeah we we made one line so we are developing the bicycle lines now you can tell that uh, there there is a goal uh, and that uh, it will be released uh, soon like sooner or less or sooner or later and uh, do, do you do you think that uh, Tallinn got European green capital at the right time? Because uh, as I understand it from speaking to people, because uh, uh, I, I said at the time, it clearly doesn't deserve it. It's not a green city. It's so car dominated. But uh, and, you know, it's so difficult to get around as a pedestrian in key areas. But people explain to me European green capital is based as much on the plan and the aspiration as it is on the present delivery. So. Could we possibly say that European green capital has actually forced a lot of these changes and that maybe it's been a good thing? Uh, no, from from the moment when Tallinn won this like green capital thing, uh, for me, green capital thing is a pathetic uh, nom like nomination, <laughs> to be honest, because even Tartu is way, way better in terms of planning and doing. And uh, again, the problem was that Novikov was basically main person for those strategies. And like, as I said in my video, like the problem is that he doesn't, he didn't care like at all. He was like just going to the work just to go to the work. And he, he haven't developed any of them. He haven't done anything. Uh, that was the problem because the strategies themselves uh, from the Tallinn Strategia Keskus, from the uh, Tallinn uh, Strategy Center, are really good. If you read the papers, they're good, but no one developed them. That was the problem. And now they're developing because, again, I don't know, I'm, I'm, like Maris is from uh, city government, kind of, she, she knows it better than I do. But uh, as I can see that social Democrats are really pressing those changes. I, I, I really want to get to get both of your view on this because like I as as soon as the Social Democrats went into coalition with Kev Skerikond in the in the Tallinn City government, I thought this is a very similar situation in my mind, I felt, to when my 
old party, the Liberal Democrats, went into coalition with the Conservatives in the UK. I just thought, they're, the, they're a small party, they're going to get hung out to dry for the fact that the main party is doing nothing, and uh, they'll, they'll lose all their support. I hope that's not the case, but um, what is your progress report so far on actually how good it's been for the party and for the city that you have that coalition agreement? Uh, well, the progress report is uh, premature. This will uh, be delivered at the next elections, I guess. But uh, um, to my taste, the progress is uh, not uh, fast enough, not big steps enough, but uh, it's something that you need to um, get used to in a coalition environment, that it's a give and take and uh, negotiating. So there have been... Um, there have been things we've won, the, the movement uh, in particular uh, with regards of um, bicycle strategy uh, and the implementation of that. I think the, there have been visible good steps and uh, we are working on further things and hopefully can deliver within months. Uh, but there are other issues with um, um, sort of a for example, nomination of uh, uh, politicians into uh, city um, offices or city um, city-owned uh, company uh, boards, uh, where uh, we we have feel that we have been overruled or not not even informed in advance, and uh, felt quite uh, pissed off, to be frank. So um, it's it's some you win, some you lose, but uh, all in all, I think um, especially the safer bicycle lanes that are already in place in uh, in Gesklin and and the ones that are uh, in planning are are a change and are a step in the right direction. So from that point of view, it's worth it. I don't know. I mean, on that happy note. We've had 44 minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, really nice to speak to you, Artyom. And uh, Maris, I think you need to get more guests in your front room because this is so much of an easier atmosphere. You know, uh, can, do, do you think maybe you could get Kaya Kallas in your front room? We'll try. <laughs> oh, as well. <laughs> yeah, we can, we, we can move this whole podcast to my front room. That's fine. Oh, yeah, by all means, by all means. But... Uh, this has been great. Thank you so much, both of you. And uh, this has been Questonia, the podcast about Estonian news and culture. If you'd like to uh, subscribe and rate us, you can find us on uh, all of the major audio platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And um, coming back soon will be the Questonia Patreon, and we'll have more episodes about more of the news coming up. So thank you very much, and uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye.